Okay, so we are going to start with uh, Perik Vav. Um, now, so I, I was hoping that uh, that Perik Vav would start, start like a bit of a new um, thing, but it seems to be it seems to be continuing um, on uh, on the same theme of this this uh, issue with, that people have with money and using it properly, but it's. But there's some beautiful things that I found which I'd like to share with you. So, paragraph starts. Yesh ra'ah. There is a ra'ah, something terrible. Asher ra'iti tachat ha'shemesh, which I saw under the sun. V'rabahi ala adam. And rabah means it's, it's big. It's a big thing. Rashi says, what does it mean that rabahi ala adam, that it's a big thing? Baharbei b'nei adam hi no heget. That it, uh, it's very prevalent in mankind. In other words, it's, uh, it's, it's not just an isolated case. But rather, it's something that keeps happening to a lot of people. Um, as the Matsudas David says, that it's a, a Matsirama, it's a, something that really causes great distress on, an, on, on people in the world. So, what is that thing that causes great distress? Um, now, he says the following. So, it says, go ahead at the following. Ish ten Elohim, Osher uh, there, there's, there's sometimes there's a person that Hashem will give to this person which is wealth which is property which is honor that he's got there's nothing possible that he could ever want for anything at all he's totally, his appetite is totally taken up but HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't give him shlita, doesn't give him the, uh, the ability to eat from that incredible amount that he is given. Why? Because a, a stranger, a, a foreign person will come along and eat all of this person's wealth, honor, covered. This is futility, this is hevel, v'chali rahu, and it's a, it's a terrible illness. Okay, so, um, so it's quite self-explanatory in a way. Except, I'm just going to mute everyone, because there's a bit of um, feedback coming there. Sorry. So, the, um, so whilst it seems to be that uh, um, it, it is quite self-explanatory, Rashi looks at it and gives us a whole different way of, of trying to understand it. So Rashi says the following. What is... What is um, this whole concept of that he will not enjoy that which he has. So Rashi says, says that um, the, the Hashem doesn't give him the ability to be samach bechelko, to be um, uh, happy with the portion that he has, to find satisfaction with his wealth. Why? He says, because if you look carefully, the word, and this is brought by the Nachal Eshko, that the word, Ish Asher Yitenlo Elohim. That there is a person to Hashem, Yiten means Hashem will give. It's a future date, it's a future tense. And he explains that it's, we're talking about a person who, who's always getting something more and more and more. And because he's always getting something more, Tamid Mitaveh, he's always desiring, that he's always wanting that Hashem will give him something, something more. Since he's always getting more, he's always wanting more. And because he's always wanting more, he's never Samech Bechalkor, he's never happy with that which he has. Um, and because he's never happy with that which he has, therefore, um, Rashi says, Lo yashli tenu la sot sedaka, le'echol he'men el'atid. 
he's not given the ability to um, to to do to give tzedakah uh, to 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 um, and tzedakah means what it means according to Rashi says tzedakah is lechol heimenelatid that tzedakah is the thing that enables us to um, create a legacy with that which we have and because the person is always driving for more and for more and for more so therefore he's not able to give the tzedakah for himself but rather somebody else will come and use his money and give it to the tzedakah so I, I was once uh, I have a, a very good friend in Cape Town he's an unbelievably wealthy man and um, and he I had this, this conversation with him I didn't even realize with him Kohelet um, and that was that he. The, the, there were times where, where things were looking quite dodgy with the stock market. And I said to him, why don't you just give X amount to Tzedakah? He said, no, he can't because he can't disinvest, and he can't this, he can't this. And then he lost all of that anyway. So I said to him, can you imagine if you had given that money to Tzedakah, you would have created the legacy, and now all you have is nothingness. So that's something that, that we have to bear in mind. Okay, that's one aspect of Rashi. But then Rashi takes a completely different track based on a, based on a Midrash. And um, I think that that track is a very important track for us to understand. So he says, what is Osher, Nechassim, and Kavod? What is wealth, possessions, and honor that is spoken about by Kohelet? So Rashi says, wealth is Mikra. Wealth, Osher, is, um, is the learning of um, Tanakh. The actual learning of Tanakh is considered to be wealth, knowing Tanakh. Nechassim, possessions, are Mishnah. And um, and kavod is agada. In other words, there are different way, the different aspects of, of Torah learning that bring different things to them. Um, Mikra, Chumash, or Tanakh is Osher, is wealth. Uh, Mishnah is Nechasim, is, is considered to be like possessions, and agada is kavod. And Rashi says the following: What does it mean? We're talking about a person who um, who's le- learned so many of these different things and learns Chumash and Mikra and all these things, but who has no power in them because you can't use any of those things to make halachic decisions. Halachic decisions have to be made, have to be made on the basis of the, of the entire Torah Shabbat Peh, the entire Oral Torah, which is the, um, which is the Gemara. And therefore it says, that a pers- another person will actually get the benefit of all of the, all of the wealth and the honor and the possessions, everything. Why? Because that's the person who's learned to be able to understand that it's not just not sweet little um, vortlach that you can take here and there, but rather it has to ultimately pr- uh, manifest itself in the olama asiya, in the world of doing. And the world of doing is the halachic world, and the halachic world can only be determined by, the, um, by, by an approach to Gomorrah, by an understanding of what Gomorrah demands from us. And, uh, and, and that's really when, when, we, when we deal with, with, with great people, whilst there are many people who can be great um, uh, orators and they can say wonderful words and it's really fantastic, the, 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 great, the greatest of the great are the people who are able to learn Torah to the point where they can tell us how to do things that we have to do. So, um, you know, sometimes they come together, but there, there is a, one, uh, currently one of the, one of the real Gedola Yisrael is Rav Herschel Shechter. 
And um, he's really, he's, he's the Talmud of Rav Soloveitchik, who really was, Rav Soloveitchik was the man who put it all together. He, was, he had an incredible orator, he was an incredible teacher, he had unbelievable, unbelievable Talmud Chochem, and he's got different um, Talmudim that have taken some of those things. But Rav Herschel Shechter really is, the, um, is the, the doyen of the school of Rav Soloveitchik, and he, he is so great, and his greatness has really in the last three months manifested itself to, to, in a manner that you cannot believe, because... He's, he's in New York and he's, as I say, he's one of the greats today. And he was the one who was challenged with all the COVID questions. Now imagine you're, you're dealing with people's lives and those questions um, dealt with, you know, you know, should you stay on Shabbat on your own if you're davening uh, without a minion? You know, should you do that? That's a nice question. Not such a hard one. To the, the question of when you have two people who come in at the same time into an IC, into a, um, into an ICU, but one of them is older, the other one is younger, um, they're coming at the same time, and you've only got one respirator or ventilator, whatever it's called, like, who do you give it to? Can you imagine having to have to make those kind of decisions? So those are, that, that's what really manifests his greatness. But his greatness is, he's got this incredible breadth of everything. He knows everything. And that's the person who really, ultimately, whilst uh, it might be nice to be, you know, uh, um, uh, and well known as a great uh, orator, person able to be good like and all those things, ultimately the, the Oshe and the Chasim and the cover that come with all of those things, the wealth, possessions, honor that come with all of that, ultimately is taken away by that one single person where push comes to shove, is able to take all that learning and put it into the practical world in which we live. Okay, so that's, uh, that's one thing. What I wanted to share with you is this incredible Kliyaka. The Kliyakar, which is not a commentary on, um, um, on, on Kohelet, but uh, the Kliyakar was, is an uh, Italian commentary, and he, and he commentary really is on the Chumash. But what he does in his commentary on the Chumash is that he quotes from all over. And uh, Baruch Hashem for Sfaria, don't know if anybody's used Sfaria, and you should use Sfaria when you're learning, because they bring all incredible things from all over. But uh, in Sfaria, Sfaria um, brings this Pasuk in the name of the Kliyakar. And uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to go through this Kliyakar with you because it's so incredible, I think. So the Kliyakar uses this Pasuk to describe um, Kain. You know, the two, the two brothers, there's Kain and Hevel. Kain kills Hevel, and then Kain goes on to, his, uh, on to live his life. And in living his life, the Torah says that Kain was Vayehi Boneir, that he was a, that he, Boneir, he, he, he was, he, it's difficult to translate the word. He was, build, he was building a city, or he is building a city. Vayehi Boneir, the reason why it's so hard to translate is because the word Boneir is, um, is in the present tense. So the, the Kliyakar says, it should have said, Vayiven, that he built a city. And it talks about the, the city that kind built. So he says, no. The reason why um, it doesn't say that he built a city is because, Lahorot, to teach us that Kain was the person that continued to build the city his whole life in the way of the avariciousness, uh, of, of the avaricious who are never satisfied by what, with what they possess. So Kain was a person who constantly was building the same city in order to, to, to self-aggrandize um, in a way that he just didn't stop. He kept, he kept building and building and building. And that's why his name is Kain. Kain is from the word Kinyan, which means to acquire. Um, he just kept acquiring and acquiring and acquiring. And, um, 
and ultimately because of that, he, um, he never was able to enjoy that what he had. He was constantly, the way the Torah describes him as he was a Navanat. He was a constantly, constantly was going up and down, moving around, because never, he was never able to really enjoy the home that he had built, because he always wanted something more. And, um, and therefore, he's called this Navanat. And so, the, it's an amazing thing. The, the Kliyakar brings a, a Siman. A Siman is like a, a hint to something. He says the following. In the Aleph Bet, now listen carefully, this is quite hard. In the Aleph Bet, there are, you know, all the different letters. Now, the word Ani, which is Ayn, Nun, Yud, okay? The word Ani, the letters that are next to Ayn, Nun, and Yud, are, spell out the word Kesef, which means money, right? So, for example, Ayn, the word, the, the, uh, the, the letter next to Ayn is Pei, the ne- letter next to Yud is Samach, and the letter le- next, sorry, the letter next to Nun is Samach, and the letter next to Yud is Chaf, which makes spell Kesef. So he says, why are, why in the, in the, in the Torah does the word, uh, is the, the word Ani, which is a poor person, and Kesef, which is money, why do they come together? Lohorot comes to tell us, Shekol ohev Kesef, who Ani bedato lo'olam. That anybody who loves money is an Ani bedato, is a poor person forever. They'll never ever be, they can never see themselves as wealthy. Because no matter how much they've got, they're always chasing after more kesef, and therefore they're always anim, they always poor. And then he says, and this is really what I want to do, what I wanted to show you. He says, therefore, we can see something fascinating. We see that there's this concept of bonnet, that Cain was a bonnet. He was this man who constantly built the city and constantly tried to get it to a point where it was, uh, where it would just give him more and more and more, but, uh, but it never worked. And that's why, says the, um, the, uh, the Kliyaka, the following. He says, you know, when you daven, when we, when we bench, we all bench and we say things very quickly and sometimes we don't always realize the things that we are saying. But... Um, when we bench, we say, We ask Hashem to build Yerushalayim. What does mean? It doesn't mean that Hashem, we ask Hashem that He will build B'nai Israel. It means that Hashem is the builder. Is that He is currently building the, um, the, the, the Beit HaMikdash. So there's a Gemara in, uh, in Bava Kama. And the book Gomorrah in Barbakama says the following. Um, Rab, Rab, it's quotes in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. That Rabbi Yochanan said, said in the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will, uh, will bring these enormous and beautiful stones, precious stones, Umar Giliot and pearls, Shem Shloshim al Shloshim, that are 30 by 30 cubits. I mean, it's enormous. V'chokak bahem eser al Isrim. And he'll hollow into them a hole of 10 by, 10 by 20 cubits. And, he will, uh, and he'll put them at the gates of Yushalayim. So he's going to bring these enormous precious stones, 30 by 30 cubits. A cubit is about half a meter. So we're talking 15 meters by 15 meters. And uh, he'll, he'll uh, dig holes into them of uh, 10 by 20. So he's going to hollow them out. They're going to be these magnificent stones. He's going to bring them to Yushalayim. And a certain student who's there sitting in front of Rabbi Yochanan, um, 
he starts uh, laughing at him. He says, Hashtag the He says, We can't even find these tiny little th- stones that are as big as an egg. And you're telling me that a Kodesh Baruch Hu is going to bring these enormous, enormous stones? Where is he going to get them from? That's absolutely ridiculous. So, uh, can you imagine saying that in front of the great Rabbi Yochanan? It wasn't very, um, wasn't very uh, covered, it wasn't very, but what happens is that uh, after a period of time, they, uh, the students go and they go on a trip. And uh, it seems to me they went on a real trip. You know, like it was, because what happens is they are they're on, they're, they're in the, he, they're on this uh, travel and they see these angels. And these angels are sitting and sawing the precious stones and pearls that are 30 by 30 cubits and they're making holes in them 20 by 20 cubits, 10 by 20 cubits. So, um, so he says, this student who saw this happening says, oh my gosh, like who are these four? And the uh, Melachim say to them, they are four, that in the future, these stones will be used to be placed in the gates of Yerushalayim. Um, so he now comes before Rabbi Yochanan and he tells him what happened and Rabbi Yochanan gets totally um, livid with him and he curses him and he passes away as a student. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that what does it mean by Nei Yerushalayim? When we say, when we daven that uh, we born Nei Yerushalayim, it means in the same way as it says that Cain was building the city that he built, so too HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly building the um, the base of Mikdash in some way or another, and that's why these Malachim are busy cutting out all these stones. And uh, how is it that he is building this thing? What is it that is giving him the power to 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 build the 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 base of Mikdash? What's giving him the power to build the base of Mikdash constantly is our acknowledgement of the fact that he's a boiner, that he's a constant builder. How do we acknowledge that he's a constant builder by being a partner with him? in the space of the world in which we live in. How we are partnered with Him, that we build things. We build ourselves, we build around and people around us, we build uh, the, um, the edifices to Torah and Mitzvot, we do all of these things, we also need to be born in. If we are born in, then we can understand that our Kaddish Baruch is a born in as well. Where do, why is it so important? Because we have this concept of imitation day. We always have to try, in some way or another, to imitate our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And so that's really what... Um, what these two psukim are telling us is that there's, there's a choice in our lives and the choice is, is um, how do we, how do we um, deal with the money that we have, how do we deal with the goodness that our Kaddish Baruch Hu gives to us and it's all up to us. Either we're going to, either we're going to be the Bonei Yerushalayim, we're going to be part of the builders of Yerushalayim, part of the builders of, uh, of that which is good, or we're going to be like Kain, we're going to be Bonim that are constantly building but stuff that has no real value at the end of the day. So that's the one thing I wanted to tell you from there. Let's look a little bit into the Parsha, because that was, I said I would do. We'd give 20 odd minutes of, uh, of Kohelet, and then a little bit of Parsha. So, the, um, there are a couple of things, but let, let's start with the one. So in, in the Parsha, we know there's this incredible story of, uh, of the, the Maraglim. There are 12 Maraglim that are chosen, 12 spies that are chosen by Moshe Rabbeinu to come and to be the... Um, the people that are going to go and bring back a report of what Eretz Israel is like. And Moshe chose those specific people, the Kliyakar and others tell us, because they were the greatest of the great. 
They were unbelievable. They are the Talmidah Chachamim that we spoke about earlier on. They were incredible people. They had incredible knowledge. They had incredible understanding. And so Moshe chooses them to go. But it seems to be that Moshe is aware that even the greatest of the great can, um, can, uh, not, does not always have, let's call it the Ayn Tova, this, this good eye, to see things in a positive way. And so therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu, just before he sends his student, Yehoshua, who is not mentioned first, and that's fascinating. Yehoshua is not mentioned first in the list of the, um, of the, of the people that, of the Meragun that go, and therefore we can see that he wasn't the greatest. That's uh, the way Chazal explained it. But uh, Moshe understands that Yehoshua is going to be challenged. And so what he does is that he says to Yehoshua, whose name at that point in time is Hoshea, he says to him, I'm going to add a Yud to your name, and now they will call you Yehoshua. Why Yehoshua, Rashi tells us, he adds the name, the first letter of the name of Hashem, so that Yehoshua will be saved from the Atzat Meraglim, from the uh, advice of the Meraglim, from, the, uh, from, from the, the peer pressure of the Meraglim. And that's fantastic, and he does it. So, so um, Refrain wants to understand, why is it that, um, that he, add, he adds the Yud? And where does this Yud come from? Like, you can't just get a Yud. You, you know, the, the, the way the Torah works is that we, we know Hashem looks into the Torah and created the world, which means there's a certain amount of, of <laughs> infinite finiteness in the world. And that is in the Torah. The letters of the Torah are, are, uh, are finite and they create the infiniteness of the world. But if that's the case, then what happens is that where does he get this yud from? You can't pluck it out of the sky. Yuds don't just exist, right? The Torah, is, it's all part of the Torah. So he says, the Midrash tells us that, um, that the yud that was used for Yehoshua's name is the yud that came from, anybody want to guess? Very good, Tanya. I could see even though you're on mute. Okay, where's the yud come Tara. from? Correct. The Yud that comes from Yoshua's name is the Yud that came from, the, from Sarai. Right? Remember, um, Avram's wife's name is Sarai, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu changes it from Sarai to Sarah. So he takes, pays, the question where that hay comes from, but that's a different discussion. There are two hays from Avraham and, uh, and Sarah. Right? There are two hays. Different discussion. Um, but he takes the Yud, which by the way, the two hays make up Yud. You understand that? That hay and hay is five and five, and yud is ten. But anyway, so he takes the yud of of um, of Sarai, and he takes that yud and he gives that yud to Yehoshua. Right? Unbelievable. But it's, so what? Like, what's it got to do with Yehoshua? Taking a yud from Sarai and I put it to Yehoshua. It's got to be something more. So says the friend. It's an amazing concept. He says, "What was the thing with Sarah?" Why, why is she the one that is now becomes the archetype of the person that is going to be able to stand up against that of which the advice of the Meragna? So the answer, he says, is very simple. Sarah is, the, is this mother. And as a mother, she knows exactly what is good for her child. And because she knows what, exactly what is good for her child, what does she do? She knows Chagar, she has, she has this maidservant, and this maidservant, Chagar, is given by her to Avram Avinu, and they have a child called Yishmael. And Yishmael is born, and everybody hopes and they pray. 
that um, everybody hopes and they pray that uh, that Yishmael is going to follow in the path of Avram Avinu. What a name, Yishmael! He hears, uh, you know, Hashem will hear. It's incredible. You know, we know that when you you give a child a name and it's all got this. Uh, um, Ruach HaKodesh and it fills the very essence of the person so you can imagine the incredible pressure on Yishmael to become like an Avram Avinu but he doesn't the opposite in actual fact because it says when Yitzchak was born and, uh, and he started to grow up that Yishmael was a very negative influence on, um, on Yitzchak so therefore Cyrus says to Avram Avinu you've got to get rid of the son you've got to get rid of him you've got to get rid of his mother because we can't have our child Yitzchak, who is going to be the progenitor of the Jewish people, being negatively influenced by um, by Yishmael. Can you imagine the decision that Avram has to do? And he doesn't know what to do, and he goes and he says to Hashem, "What am I supposed to do?" And Hashem says, "And you guys love this. Whatever Sarah, your wife, tells you, you've got to do. Right? That's it. Whatever your wife tells you, you've got to do. You're not allowed to use that against anybody. But um, that's." So, and there is usually the name Sarai, it's the last time. And because of that, we see that the, the woman Sarai is this woman that is able to, to go against prevailing norms, go against that which seems to be right, to do what is absolutely correct, to go against the peer pressure. Can you imagine what the, the name that she got for having kicked out her, her stepson out of the house? Can you imagine? But she was prepared to do it. Why? Because she knew it was the right thing. Because she knew if she didn't do it, then this Yitzchak would have been terribly negatively influenced. And so therefore, this Yud, that is the power of Sarah, to stand up against those who are not uh, projecting the will of Hashem in a proper way, that Yud is the Yud that is given to the... Um, to, to, to Hoshea makes him Yehoshua to give him the power to, to protect himself against the advice of the Maraglim and he does that. And how, so what's fascinating by the way is that how come um, he's the one who needs it? Because there's Yehoshua who is the man who lives in the house of Moshe all the time. He's, he's Mesharet Moshe. He's always serving Moshe. It seems to be that um, he had not yet been kind of like empowered to manifest his own strength because everything he did was under Moshe everything all the time and now he's given this opportunity to show how powerful he is Moshe gives him a bracha that he'll be blessed the other person that stands up against the Maraglim is Kalev and Kalev is a completely different personality Kalev is a man who's not scared to stand up for himself. Kalev doesn't, have, doesn't spend his time with Moshe Rabbeinu. Kalev is a pure leader. And so he's able to stand up. He's the one who's able to give over the message that Eretz Yisrael is a beautiful place. He doesn't need the strength of Moshe Rabbeinu. He's able to tap into his own strength to be able to, to stand up against the Maragim. Those are two contrasting figures, which is a sheer for another time. Um, that's the that's the one thing uh, that's the one important part of the story. But there's another aspect. How do we know that this is so true? Because the midrash says that it speaks about the Aishat Chayil. Aishat Chayil We know it's a beautiful thing. And the midrash speaks about the fact um, that she's able to discern between uh, that. Sorry, in Aishat Chayil, it speaks about the fact she's able to discern between wool and linen. The fact that she's able to, be, to discern between wool and linen is, uh, is an important thing. Why? Because we know that wool and linen together make shutness. Shutness is something which we're not allowed to wear. By the way, ladies, if you have 
uh, woolen jackets and uh, woolen skirts and woolen dresses. I don't know what other woolen things you have, right? Uh, one should have them checked for shutness because uh, it applies to everybody's shutness. It's not only a man's mitzvah, it's a woman's mitzvah as well. And one should be careful because one's not allowed to wear the garments that are shutness. Um, we can chat about that at another time. But uh, so shutness is this mixture of wool and linen. So wool on its own is fine. And linen on its own is fine. Right? They're perfect. They're wonderful. But there's, this, there's sometimes things that come together are a bad combination. And that is the, the Aishat Chayel, which is Sarah. She's the ultimate in the Aishat Chayel. She was able to see that Yishmael on his own would do great things. And that Yitzchak on his own would do great things. But the combination of the two together would never work. And so therefore, the Yud from Sarah is taken and given to Yishma, to, 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 um, to Hoshea because she's the person who's able to discern what is good, what is right, and what combinations work. So that is just a few ideas on Kohelet, a few ideas on the Parsha. Have a beautiful Shabbos. And please keep warm, keep well, keep safe. And wear your mask, please, when you go out. It's very important for all of us. God bless everybody. Have a lovely Shabbos. Amen. Thanks, Rob.